Welcome back to our podcast. A big topic throughout our Frisco ISD community is rezoning. Since the early 2000s, rezoning has been a large player in the history of Frisco ISD. For more than 20 years, the district's exponential growth in student enrollment has led to the need for additional campuses to be added as our district community continues to increase in population. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Todd Fouch, Deputy Superintendent of Business and Operations, about the reasons, processes, and focus areas for this year's rezoning proposal. Don't forget to stay tuned till the end of our episode for the latest Frisco ISD news. Hi, Todd. How are you? I'm good, Mandy. How are you? Good. I'm super excited to have you here today. Glad to be here. With the new high school campus opening next school year and some overcrowding on some of our campuses, a big topic of the moment is rezoning. For those in our community who may be new or have never been through a rezoning, can you talk to me a little bit about what rezoning is and why Frisco ISD has to do this on a fairly regular basis? Definitely. So rezoning is really just drawing the boundary lines of the schools within our district. Our school district doesn't change. The boundaries of our school district always remains the same, but it's when we have overcrowding at certain schools above their capacity and when we go in and really just change the lines of those schools so that we can balance enrollments, allow for growth. With our high schools especially, we have a commitment to the community to keep our high schools at the 2100 student level, which also fits with the capacity of our buildings. So as we grow by 2,000, 2,500 students a year, that continues to create a need for more rezoning. So with that, let's talk a little bit about growth in Frisco ISD. If folks have listened to our past board meetings about rezoning, they may have heard you or other Frisco ISD employees talk about enrollment numbers, which is clearly one of the main reasons we currently have to rezone campuses as much as we do. What does the district's current enrollment look like, and what is it projected to be for the next school year that's causing this rezoning? So we're at about 65,500 students right now, and for the next school year, we're projected to be about 2,000 students larger than that, so in the 67.5 range. And, you know, that's a, that's a whole high school worth of students. It's a, it's a significant amount of students that are moving into our district boundaries every year. Over the years, we've been within the top 10 school districts in the state as a fast-growing school district. And many school districts around us have lost students, but we seem to continue growing even through a pandemic. Why is that? So I think this is a a place people want to be, you know, and our, our high school model has something to do with that. We call it our student opportunity model. And it's basically just the idea that we keep our high schools small enough that high school students have the opportunity to do multiple things. So if they want to be in the band and be in athletics and be in different academic events, that would allow them to do that. So I do think that model has a lot to do with that. And, and honestly, also, there's empty land left in our school district. And some of the districts south of us, like Plano and Richardson and Garland, they're not still building um, homes in those areas. So we, we have two large developments to, to go, but there are still homes being built. And I think part of that's bringing people in here as well. How does Frisco ISD monitor growth in order to develop long-term plans for things like land purchases, new schools, and attendance zones? When I think about that question, the entity that comes up 
the most to me is the city because of our relationship with the city. The city really helps us project growth and deal with growing pains. And what I mean by that is when a developer is coming to the city and, and they're buying land, the city knows before we do. So part of their process when a developer knocks on their door is to say, have you met with the school district yet? Because if you're going to build X amount of homes in an area, the school district's going to need the infrastructure to support your homes. So that allows us to get meetings with those developers and honestly start looking at buying school sites. And how many schools at each level do we have currently? So we have 42 elementary schools. We have 17 middle schools. And with the opening of Emerson High School this fall, we have 11 high schools. We are building high school number 12 right now, and we're building elementary school number 43 right now. So next August, both of those will be open to new students. Some of our community members may have heard you speak in the past about the difference between building capacity and functional capacity. I want to bring this up because it seems to be an important factor when the district is determining the amount of room a campus may actually have available for new students to come versus what it's actually built for. Can you go into some detail about the difference between building capacity and functional capacity and the role these two capacities play in rezoning conversations? Sure. I think that's a it's a great point for the community to understand and even for our internal folks to understand. I'll take a, an elementary, for example. Most all of our elementaries are built for a total capacity of 760 students. Um, but then we have we have special programs, we have centralized programs, we have pre-K classrooms, we have bilingual classrooms. So those are, when we say centralized, students from all over the district might come to one of those types of classrooms. So it's probable most of our elementary schools, even though they're built for 760, they could have two or three rooms with specialized classrooms in them that only have maybe five or 10 students in each room. So basically, we've just lowered the building capacity from 760 to whatever that functional capacity is for any given building. You know, we have some some elementary schools that had some lower enrollments where we might have put, you know, eight or nine pre-K classrooms in there. And when you see them on a map, it doesn't show those students as attending those buildings because they're coming from all over the district. It's an important part of our conversation as we go forward is making sure we're delineating what the actual building functions with versus the total capacity for a building. What does the district's rezoning process look like from year to year? So it, it depends on the year for what's going to happen, but the process is really the same. So every year we're adding lots of students every day in the month of August. And after Labor Day, our, our numbers really settle some. And so the week after Labor Day, we send our current enrollment numbers to our external demographer. And our external demographer gives us one-year, three-year, five-year, and 10-year projections. And they're updated short and long-range projections on what our growth might look like over the coming years. But if you're looking at zones for the 2022 school year, really January, February of 2021, we start looking and saying, okay, where are our pain points? Which schools are getting large? Where do we need some relief? So we start having really monthly meetings and monthly updates with current numbers that whole spring. 
And then the summer in earnest, we really start looking at, all right, where are we going to need to go with this next fall? But we don't know until we get those updated projections from our demographers. Uh, and, and that'll happen late September, early October. And then we start drawing zones with that data that, that make the most sense for the whole district. Uh, then we have internal meetings with all kinds of different stakeholder groups to get their opinions on the zones. Then ultimately at the October board meeting, we will present those zones to our school board. A couple of weeks after that meeting, we will have another meeting that is specifically for citizen input. So we we know that, that rezoning is hard and it's emotional and it's it's taxing on everybody involved. People love their schools. They, they identify with their schools and we want to give citizens opportunity to come and speak to us and, and we listen to what they have to say. And then two weeks after that approximately would be the meeting where the board would take action. So by the November board meeting, we will we'll take action and know where the students are going to be for the following school year. It's a big deal and we know it's hard for families and we take it very seriously because we want to get it right. What would you say have been the priorities for this year's rezoning proposal? So so this year really you can look at the the west side of town and and learn that that's where our priorities are and and for a couple of reasons one because we're opening a new elementary school on that side of town. You can see our numbers at Newman Elementary and Miller Elementary specifically and understand that, that we needed a new school there. So Manette Elementary is coming up there to relieve some of the elementary schools in the northwest quadrant of town where we're seeing a lot of growth. The other is, is high schools on the west side of town. And you can look at it Reedy being already 200 students over capacity projected to be 400 students over capacity in the next couple of years. Kind of the same situation with Lone Star. So you can see how on the west side of town, we needed Panther Creek High School to come up and then it can help balance and relieve some of the schools on the west side of the district. Why does this year's rezoning seem to be so much more difficult than last year's? So last year, kind of the easiest thing to do is to relieve one high school with one high school. And so last year, Emerson was pretty much just relieving independence. We made a couple of other small tweaks and the dividing line was really natural. So it was, it was really easy just to take Custer and draw a straight line down Custer and make that the dividing line. This year, we're really trying to balance and relieve multiple high schools on the west side of town with one high school. And it's a little bit harder of a story to tell when they're not right next door to each other. And when you rezone students to existing high schools, um, they don't see that brand new high school coming up down the street. So I think that that just naturally makes the conversation much more difficult. Would you say there are any drawbacks to rezoning? Yeah, I think it's change, right? And, and often more so for the parents than the students. One thing we've learned is students adapt pretty quickly. We'll actually go to these schools and talk with the students who've been rezoned and and get a feel for it from their point of view. And typically a few weeks in, they're doing great. Um, but I would say the drawback is the 
is that initial idea, especially from the parent's perspective, that that my student is going to go to a different school in a different environment that they're not familiar with. And, you know, you find that out in November and the student doesn't actually go to the different school until August of the next year. So it's probably the anticipation of what that's going to look like for their student. And then once school gets going, their students, they're, they're doing their deal. They're going to class, they're playing sports, they're, um, they're involved in fine arts. So I, I do think it's, it's hard at first. And then it's just like you just need to get school going for those students so that they can get engaged. And then 99% of the time, it's great. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. And I hope that our community has been able to get a, l- a little bit of a glimpse into the processes and understanding for why we have to rezone as much as we do. However, is there anything that I may have missed in asking you that would be important for our community to know or understand about the rezoning process? I think just that that we care a lot. Um, I, th- I think people feel like there are winners and losers coming out of the rezoning process, but all our schools are great. We don't have students come back to us years later saying, you sent us to this school or you did that to us. Usually, after a few weeks at the new school, they feel at home and they feel like that's where they're supposed to be. So we spend a lot of time and, and energy trying to get this right and trying to make it a great school district for everyone. Thanks for spending some time with us today and getting a peek further into Frisco ISD. Stay tuned for a couple more minutes to get important announcements that will keep you in the loop of everything Frisco ISD. Here's a look at news around the district. Frisco ISD is looking for adults in the community who are willing to volunteer their time, either in person or virtually, to help students learn about entrepreneurship, future career paths, and more. Programs like the Business Incubator Program and Independent Study and Mentorship rely on the participation of volunteers to guide and support students. Please consider sharing your knowledge and experience. Look for details at friscoisd.org. Free prep classes are now available to Frisco ISD residents to help them study for the GED. FISD has been an approved testing site for many years. Now community members can enroll in free classes to help them prepare. The service is funded through the Texas Workforce Commission at no cost to FISD or participants. For more information on class times and how to register, please visit friscoisd.org GED. There's a new way for the public to support FISD students in the transition from school to work. Project Search is a program for students age 18 and above who have intellectual and developmental disabilities. It operates out of the Embassy Suites on John Q. Hammond's Drive. Through a partnership with the district, student interns are placed in various roles at the Hotel and Convention Center to gain hands-on training and experience. Now, in addition to positions in laundry, housekeeping, and more, Project Search students are making and serving coffee as baristas in a hotel cafe. The community is invited to stop by for a cup of coffee to help students practice their new skills. 